feels good to be king When all your subjects are broken little things Feels good to be kind But it's the only thing that keeps you alive And I'm alone most of the time now Now I'm the only one worth hanging around And I can really put my roots down now Welcome to The Basement. What is good, everybody? Before we get going, I want to give a special shout out to Alejandro Carrera, my man Ale, uh, back way, way, way before the podcast ever started, before I was even a dad. This dude helped me tremendously by teaching me a little bit of audio editing and mixing, how to record, how to build a vocal booth and pad it up for the proper proper audio to come out of it. Just just studio gear advice. Uh, and he's just, I mean, just an all-around good dude. I served with his brother, Jose, in the Minnesota Air National Guard. Jose has since uh, transferred to uh, active duty to serve our country. And uh, they're, they're just a, a dynamic duo of brothers. I, you know, I really dig them both on different levels. Me and Jose got a certain relationship. Me and Ale got a different relationship. We've all kicked it before and uh, just had a good time. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, before the, before the basement is all said and done, we're going to get them both up in here. But... But we were talking gear the other day, and I'm just I'm real happy I got a I got a new uh, some new stuff on the way, a couple of new mics, a new MIDI controller for the Beats. I've been working off. Uh, if you don't speak audio, fast forward a minute or two. But uh, I got a, a MIDI controller, a 25 key, and it has a drum pad. And I just sometimes I, I like to just hit the keys a little bit more than that. So I just I ordered a, a 61 key. And then a couple of new mics. I was uh, your boy uh, has been having he's been having a, a lot of wins uh, at work. So the bosses gave me a little bonus. So mad love to Lopez Newton Realtor <clears throat> Lopez Newton Realtors for uh, recognizing a little bit of game and, and really valuing the the hard work and and uh, just all all love and appreciation to to Lopez Newton Realtors as well. But they hit hit the pockets with a little something and uh, you know uh, treated myself to some new uh, new equipment for the studio and uh, threw a little bit towards my sons and whatnot. So, but today I was talking to uh, random vet shout out my man Ed Stoker. Eddie was, uh, he was a Navy, uh, man, something in the Navy that's, they, 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 they do shit on the ground and shoot guns, uh, rail guns from, from the top of, of big vehicles. Man, I forget, uh, I forget the title. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to catch y'all up at a later date and time. But he came out of the Navy, joined the, the Air Force, specifically the Minnesota Air National Guard, and, and him and I got to build a relationship. And, uh, you know, it's, it's rare I let too many relationships slip too far without at least dropping in on people and seeing how they're doing. And, and today was one of those days. So I, I reached out to my man, Eddie, just to, to see what was up. And dude's got a funny-ass story, man. He got the week before he's going to get his vasectomy. Him and his wife decided two kids was enough. Let's take care of this uh, this loose cannon we got here. Let's uh, let's snip the fuse. And uh, the week before they had that date scheduled, bloop, baby number three showing out. But man, so I'm uh, I'm laughing on the inside and just terrified that the same thing could uh, could happen in our household because uh, the universe will find its balance within me, and me laughing at him might lead to some some other stuff we weren't planning for. But but hopefully we can avoid all of that. 
But today, him and I, we, we were talking about a, a little bit of firearms and a little bit of just, you know, just treating your body a certain way. And, you know, as we just were talking about being dads and, and longevity. And, and I got to thinking, I was like, man, you know, I got a completely, completely different philosophy. So if y'all want to hang out, I'm just going to, I'm going to spit just a little bit of just my background when it comes to sports, athletics, physical activity, how that transitioned throughout the years and, and where I'm at today, just the way I think of, of everything with, with a lot of the ailments, aches and pains that, that come with certain things and certain other things done wrong. So, so to all the young men out there, if you may be listening, all the parents of, of young athletes, just, you know, I'm hoping there's, there's some type of takeaway for this but you know I started off I started off playing uh t-ball that was the first sport I think that's a, a lot of kids first sports and that that really transitioned in into you know competitive baseball I played all through little league and about halfway through high school I did stop playing baseball and I was just talking to one of my boys the other day about it like I was I was good enough at baseball Oof, with the proper coaching and just different circumstances, I maybe could have played D1, but I definitely, definitely could have played D2 baseball. And I feel the same about basketball. Like maybe, maybe not quite good enough for D1, but I think, you know, with, with, with a little bit of work ethic, I could have played D2 hoops. Um, but that's neither here nor there right now. But as, I, as I've always kind of looked back on those situations at just my athletic ability, the, the things that I'm like, the way I'm able to manipulate my body in athletics, it, it's, it's different than other people's. It's really hard to explain. You'd have to, you know, witness me playing sports, which I, I really don't do anymore. But I never had that coach to, to grasp and mold and change and, and, and elevate my game. But, but baseball was was great for me. Like I played, I played seven of the nine positions. I never caught and I never played shortstop. Um, throughout Little League, I played outfield, primarily third base. And then towards high school, they, they shifted me towards first and pitcher. And first was, I love playing first base because you're just, you're just, it's so easy to play first base. I found it extraordinarily easy. You're just catching a ball. If somebody throws a little short, scoop that shit out the dirt. If it throw goes high, jump and grab it. And you know, I had quite a vertical, so not a lot of balls, not a lot of balls got by me. And then on the base path, if I if you gave me first, you know, I was taking second. I never, I had a green light to steal second. And even when I didn't, it'd be a blowout game. I'd go ahead and just take second. I remember like my, one of my last years playing, Coach Healy. He, I, I, I took second. And he looked over at the other coach. It was a blowout. He goes, I didn't tell him to do that. And that goes back to not having the proper coaching, proper guidance to teach me the unwritten rules of baseball. You don't go out there taking bases when, when your team's blowing, uh, blowing out the other squad. But, but that, uh, that is what it is. I was out there just, just, just tallying up the base count. And then I played basketball. I started, I got my first taste in the basketball when we were living in Illinois, actually. So the 94, 95 school year, we left Minnesota. That's kind of a, a forgotten tale in my life, the, the, the stint of time that we lived in Freeport, Illinois. So I was growing up around uh, all the Minnesota, Minneapolis suburbs, just north to south, out to we're not in the suburbs anymore, living out in the cornfield, you know, the northern suburbs. And my mom met this cat. Had a baby with him. Well, before the baby came along, she decided we were going to up and move to Illinois. Uh, she may have been pregnant, which may have, you know, really, 
you know, emphasized uh, us going to Illinois for his job transfer. Uh, but after we were there for about six months, uh, he got transferred out of there. And that's how he ended up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, thus beginning the Eau Claire Chronicles. Excuse me. But when we were in Illinois there, that was my first, uh, my first taste at, at playing live basketball, like in, in gym class and all that. Like up to that point, I don't think there was really basketball going on in first, second, or third grade gym classes in the schools in which I was at. So fourth grade got me a little taste, then we moved to Wisconsin, and it was interesting because I had just started hooping, but all these kids played soccer at recess at Meadowview Elementary School in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So I'd be out like trying to shoot hoops, but it'd be like one or two of us and everybody was playing soccer, so I just, I followed the sheep, I was trying to make friends, I was the new kid, so I, I just ended up out, you know, talking shit on the soccer field, and it, I never really had fun, you know, so I, I you know, should have just kept over there playing hoops, and that transitioned into, into middle school athletics, so I'm still playing baseball the whole time, I'm getting better and better at basketball throughout middle school, and I play about half, I, I think I stopped playing basketball, no, I played my my junior year, I quit the basketball team, left my high school in Wisconsin, and moved in with my dad in Minnesota and decided to not play for the school. So I know that's kind of a little like muddy area I haven't quite talked about on the podcast, like how I ended up transitioning from Wisconsin back to Minnesota to graduate high school, but that's the short version. I, I moved from my mom's house to my dad's house, and I, I played in like an in-house league when, my senior year. And, you know, I just love playing basketball. And then I played football for a season two. That was in like seventh grade. And really what it came down to, like I was athletic. It was just uh, an awful lot of work and sacrificing two weeks of my summer to run two a days in the 90s just wasn't a great outlook for me. I've always, like Cat Williams said, I'm allergic to dumb shit, stupid shit, whatever his quote is from the Pimp Chronicles. Like, I'm I've just that sounded dumb to me. I ain't gonna do that shit. Give up two weeks, two weeks of summer? Oh hell to run to run how many a day? No, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. They didn't give us enough water. Fuck all that. And I was in Wisconsin, so it ain't even that hot. I couldn't imagine what some of these kids were going down through here. And then, you know, fast fast forward a few years, um, NFL training camps had to they had to tailor the way they did mini camps in the summer times after the the Corey Stringer death in Minnesota. I met that dude. We went to we went to uh uh, Vikings training camp in, uh, where is it? Uh, whatever city the Vikings training camp is in. It starts with, starts with an M. Mankato? Yeah, Mankato, Minnesota, where Vikings training camp is. I would go there. I, get, I got me a little Corey Stringer autograph uh, on a hat. I got Randall Cunningham's on there, a few other, a few other players too. But then a couple seasons after that, he, uh, he lost his life from, from complications from heat stroke and just from NFL, specifically NFL training camp, just overworking people. So they changed the way that was done. But I only played football for the one season. So it was really, I was baseball and basketball, and I was pretty good at both, especially for a dude with like a single mom and no coaches really taking an interest in. Like in season, yeah, sure. You know, they had my back. They were, they're, you know, showing me drills, practicing. I was expected to, you know, to do the thing, show up, you know, do the weight training, run all the sprints and be at, be at practices. And there was never any problem with that. But nobody really, nobody really grabbed me and, and really taught me, you know, 
the beyond, beyond the game, like life beyond the game and, and what it what it could potentially mean. And I feel like that's just a miss. You know, it's part of the area. We weren't, you know, Eau Claire, Wisconsin has produced uh, a few hockey players, a few D1 hockey players, at least one pro, you know, a, a champion, uh, dude I went to elementary school with too, as a matter of fact. But that we're not known for producing like high level. A lot of D three athletes come out of the Eau Claire school system. Not you know nothing really beyond that. You know you. So I, I don't know. I, you know sometimes I just sit back and wish why didn't somebody just grab me? Why didn't they notice what was like? I could jump out of the gym. I could dunk like crazy. Defense was on lock. I had a really good arm. No balls. My error percentages were were so low. I had so such a positive fielding percentage. My hitting needed some work. Like as we got older and kids started to get the same size or bigger than me. So yeah, some things needed work. And speaking of coaches, my first basketball coach, Dave Donovan, he passed away of. Uh, type of cancer I can't pronounce and have never heard of, honestly, um, last Monday. So by the time you're hearing this, it's been been a week. But one thing Dave Donovan taught me and on the court. So I, was, I moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin in the fifth grade after that stint in Illinois. And Terry Donovan was in my class. Same grade, you know, cool cat. Fast forward a couple years in the middle school, I get on the traveling basketball team and his dad's my coach. And one of the things he instilled in us, he'd see these, you know, these pubescent boys getting riled up in games or in practice and want to take it out. Some people want to take it out in a certain way, you know, whether that be throwing elbows or throwing fists or just yelling, pushing, you know, whatever. We're dealing with hormones. And he had a very, he did a very good job of, of looking at us directly and say, play with class. And I took that to heart. That was one of the like the first lessons like I ever heard a man project, like you need to carry yourself in life with class. So not only do you play with class, you just be a class act in every aspect. And that, so you walk a little bit taller, hold your head a little bit higher. You know, don't be ashamed of who you are or where you come from, you know, and always be willing to, to project your insight on a situation. You know, but make sure you do it with tact or class, you know, slash class or synonyms, I suppose, in that context. But rest in peace, Dave Donovan, for sure. And, you know, I just I hope that I can, you know, output into the universe for his spirit to know and understand that I have always played with class, Dave, and I try to coach and mentor and lead as such as well. And every team I've ever coached, I've coached youth girls and I've coached youth boys. And I always teach them to play with class in the first practice. And that starts with, at the end of practice is when I bring it up. All right, it's been great to meet you. It's been a pleasure. We're gonna go through this these type of things this season. And one thing I need everybody to remember as tempers are, you know, you know I, I break it down to you know the way whatever age group I'm doing can understand, but to the point of no matter what happens this season, we will always carry ourselves and play with class. So Dave Donovan's legacy lives on not only through his kids and I would imagine I'm not the only one who carries on some Dave Donovan lessons, but it definitely lives on through me, even if it's just that little bit of thing. So, but as, as sports went on, oh, and, and when I was in middle school, that's when we got an introduction to, to weight training. 
All right. So that opened my eyes a little bit. And then I didn't really mess around. It was like an eighth grade unit maybe. And then through high school, basketball, like the weight room was open. We had a weight uh, unit in gym class. I was always fucking off in gym class. I wasn't in there to lift weights. You know, probably, you know, maybe maybe should have been a little, little, little skinny uh, slim cat. And then my senior year of high school, I did have a weightlifting class. I took that for my gym class. I'd skip it every now and then. But, you know, I put on a, a good little bit of bulk before I graduated high school. And uh, But it was pr- pri- primarily playing basketball and lifting weights at that time. So as, as an athlete, this is where I kind of started making mistakes. I, I never did athletic workouts. And part of that is the philosophy of the teachers, gym teachers, or, or, or miss, miss coach, missed coaching opportunities from individuals to not train in, a, in an athletic manner. As we look at, like I'm sure a lot of people just recently watched the, uh, the Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls documentary. And what took the Chicago Bulls to the next level is the weight training, because they, they were getting beat up in the, the late 80s by the by the Detroit Pistons, who were a bigger, stronger, more physical team, more more imposing, and they would you know beat these dudes up. The shit we don't see really in the game: those elbows down in the block, the, you know, the off ball, you know, scratches, and getting your jerseys ripped and bumped and and getting hit. Basketball is actually a, a pretty pretty physical contact sport. It's not a high contact sport. You know, it's not football. It's not lacrosse, but you're, you're down there banging and getting banged in basketball. So the Chicago Bulls were able to take you to the next level and hang with Detroit and eventually knock them off and, and win a couple of championships or something like that after they started, you know, hitting the weight room. But what's missed from that is they were also doing sports specific activities Besides just playing the game, so the resistance band training, the the hips, the joints, you know, on top of professional level training, you know, getting getting stretched out and the proper diet and nutrition, which I think is, is so important. And those were things that were that were just missed, missed on on my generation, or, or I wasn't listening, or you know, somebody didn't do a good enough job explaining that. I don't think I saw a vegetable until I was damn near thirty. So, but I'm doing these just weight training exercises and putting on weight and neglecting to do the sport specific trainings. Like I'm playing the game, but we still have to train the muscles for the game, not just the, the bulky muscles. It's not just squats and, and calf raises, you know, hamstring pulls, those isolation workouts. And that just, that just carried on. That carried on for years. So I transitioned out of playing sports. I got a, I'm, a, I'm an athletic dude. I, I got athletic movements. Uh, I, I can play a lot of sports, and I, I find it relatively like easy, just the way I'm able to manipulate my body. So when I joined the Air Force, I continued on the weight training. I played basketball for, I don't know, my first couple of years still in the Air Force, and then my knees just started to go. So I was like, well, forget this. I'm not playing basketball. It's, it's not worth it. You know, I played a few intramural sports here and there. That's just the Air Force thing, softball, volleyball, flag football, but that all phased out, and then I just got really, really into the weight training. You know, I'm sure it was, you know, 20-year-old ego going at it. Got to get big, got to get swole, you know, got to have, you know, got to look good for the ladies out here. But, you know, f- from 
middle school, getting my first introduction to weights, and then into high school, and then into the Air Force as I transitioned out of playing sports, I got really, really into just bodybuilding and powerlifting and mixing the techniques. I don't have a bodybuilder frame, so it's never like I, I could be a pro bodybuilder. I just simply do not have the 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 frame for that. You know, you got to have a specific body fat spread. You got to have specific, you know, bellies to your muscles. Your tendons have to be a certain way. Like bodybuilding is a very, very specific, specific style sport. And you got, like it's very 1%, maybe half a percent of people like of the population even have the beginnings, let alone the work ethic and drive that, that needs to go with it. So, but I got, I got very into that. And when I was in station in North Dakota, my first duty station, I just, you know, we had our weight room friends. It was the crew that was in there. We, we formed, we formed a bond and everybody was talking about supplementation and getting big, what kind of protein, what kind of, what kind of pre-workout. And we all got this shit called M-Droll at one point and everybody started getting bloody noses, but we were sure getting swole as fuck because it was an over-the-counter anabolic oral steroid, meaning you take it by the mouth, non-injectable. And we didn't know it got banned very very quickly thereafter but we had all already kind of blown up and that was that was like my first taste of steroids this was 06 07 time frame so I didn't really so I, I stuck with the weight training from that and just naturally going into the into the air force you know at 19 years old it's like I graduated high school at 185 pounds. I go in the Air Force about 170 pounds because I had a nine month delay from when I graduated high school to when I go into the Air Force. And like I said, I had that weightlifting class my senior year, put on a little bit of bulk, but then I didn't go to the Air Force for about nine months after that. So I was basically just running. That's all I was doing was trying to get my run time down. I was running six minute flat miles, plus or minus three seconds. Every time, I was 557 to 603. That was my mile time, just, just, just burning it. That's a stupid way to go about your Air Force training, just running just straight miles a few times a week, you know, a little bit of interval training, mix in some long distance, mix in some sprints, you know, do uh, treat, your, treat your system a little bit differently because they're about to, to grind you down in, in basic military training. But nonetheless, I was uh, uh, fast forward back to North Dakota, just falling in love with the, with the weight room. I bulked up from that 170. You'd go from mil basic military training. I graduated there, still at about 170. I go to tech school. Uh, so I'm in Texas. Just uh, I was on a school shift from like three to midnight three to 10, maybe, whatever time it was, and then we go, go hit the gym. So I left there about 205, 208, all just wrong, just lifting weights, but improperly with, with no guidance, just kind of what I learned in middle school and high school. And that probably began my injuries just by simply doing things wrong with no training. And furthermore, I just, well, here, let me, let me, let me carry on with, with the way it went. So I get out of tech school, I go to Grand Forks, North Dakota, you know, started in the, the supplements, really, really dedicated weight training and, and, and just maintain over 200 pounds for a, just a very long time and just real, real aggro, just real aggressive dude, aircraft mechanic, just nitty gritty. We're always wrestling with the boys. So you got to be big and swole, always out in the bar trying to pull some ladies. So, you know, you got to look good. I got to be able to, to flex in the bar, whatever it looks like, you know, what kind of stupid shit 20 year olds are on. And then I go to, uh, and then I go to uh, 
to Tucson, get down to Arizona, get stationed down here and just just keep on with the weightlifting, just walking around a solid 210, 212. I think maybe I peaked out at about 218 or something and it's just isolation movements, isolation movements over and over. And I keep saying this for, for a reason because I'm an athlete. I'm not a bodybuilder. If you do not have the bodybuilder frame or the power lifter frame, you should do the workouts that are tailored to your body type. At the end of the day, there was no money to be had. The only thing that was on the line was my well-being. Yeah, sure, there's a few years there in life where I looked pretty damn something. You know, 18 and a half inch neck. I had, my, I think my arms peaked. I had 18 inch arms before. I think I had 18 and a half inch arms like one random day. It was probably full of carbs. You know, I had 26-inch thighs at one point. Now, there was some Mexican supplementation going in there. Uh, from 2014 to 2017, I found, uh, I found a little bit of the, uh, the, 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 the steroid needle. And I think I'm going to maybe break down the specifics of that at another time. I think steroids... Uh, have their place. They need to be done safely. You need to get learned on it. You need to do some deep, in-depth, heavy, heavy research. Um, and yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down later. But all of that, I think, was, was wrong or uh, wrong with the way I was training. You know, supplementation aside, um, I think training should be held a proper way for your body type. And I'm going to project upon my sons. It's all about health, wellness, and longevity. So how long can you do these things? And there's no reason for me to be sitting under a bar, you know, standing under a bar with 400 pounds on it and trying to get that back up to, to its stationary position or to be, you know, just lifting 400 pounds off the ground. You know, or, or laying down on the bench and throwing, you know, whatever, 200 pounds, 300 pounds on there and, and, and pushing that back up to where it goes. Those isolation movements, I think, are, are just a detriment to most people because they're not done properly. They're, not, they're improperly executed. And if, if you're not in the profession of being strong for a reason, I don't think there's a reason to do those activities. You know, sports player, actual power lifter, you know, I don't know how much weight training wrestlers actually do, because I know they got, but, you know, somewhere where power is involved. You know, I think there's a lot more benefits in resistance band training, kettlebell training, you know, acti act, you know active movements, movements your body's actually going to do, sledgehammers on the tire, tire flips. Uh, those are one of my favorite workouts to do. So I, I was working in some of that stuff, and I found all that towards the end of my just weightlifting time. I was lifting weights my senior year of high school till I was, oh boy, 30, 31 years old. Maybe right before I turned 32. So a solid 13, you know, 12, 13, maybe 14 years, I was lifting weights hard, regular. That was where my focus was. Uh, some of that under supplementation. Then, I, you know, the last little bit, then when I transitioned into all, you know, my body started to break down. I started to feel it. I started to hurt in places I shouldn't be. You know, 
aching back from improper deadlifts. You know, I'm tying a lot of car accidents and some other things happen in there. You know, knees just just not being able to handle the just my 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 body just being hurt from you know, say you're walking head on head to to somebody and you got to kind of pivot. You know, like oh shit, you know, pivoting would hurt. You know, elbows, tendonitis just hurt partly from from turning wrenches on airplanes, partly excuse me, partly from from lifting weights over and over and improper just lifting techniques, turning, like taking a bicep curl and having uh, it just hang, to hang your arm straight, you know, how your hand would be to your side and grab a dumbbell and then turn it outwards as, as, curl, as you're curling it up and contracting your, your bicep. Like that turn right there, terrible. Like you should not do that. It's terrible for your elbow. And then when we talk about internal rotation versus external rotation, when you're doing shoulder workouts and causing shoulder impingements, you know, beyond playing baseball for years, so the shoulders just constantly, you know, micro tears of the muscles as, as you throw. So just all that isolation training, I, I don't stand by. I will never stand by isolation training. I think it's actually one of the dumbest things that people can do to their bodies, unless that's your profession. If you're not up there doing fitness competitions and you know uh, bodybuilding competitions, it, it's not. You, you should work out. I would recommend you work out a little bit differently. You know, take. You know, think about do things that make future you happy. All right. So future me is so so pissed off. Future me from right now is so pissed off because because present me is so pissed off as well at past me from all the decisions that were made. You know, to include the supplements, I am not pro-supplement by any means. Now, some people, if you have a supplement, a legitimate supplement deficiency and you need exogenous uh, supplementation, I guess that's, a, that's redundant. If you need supplementation, you know, that you can't get from food because your body's not absorbing something properly, this statement is not for you. But if you're just a regular Joe Schmo, you know, get off the pre-workout. Stop that shit. It's bad for you. It's poison. All right, if you need a little protein supplementation, all right, I'm gonna let it slide. Get whey protein isolate. Get egg white protein, something easy, easier to digest. Uh, there's some stuff that came out on pea proteins a few years back where it could it could have carcinogens in it based on the way peas absorb some type of uh, a pesticide. I'm not exactly sure. Go look into it before you just want to fill your body with with random supplementation. But anything beyond that. Just a little bit of protein powder, I'm not down with. You, I feel the best way to get all your, your nutrients and vitamin intake is through food. Now, if you're just deficient, your diet is proper, you're eating all the things that we know that we're supposed to be eating, green vegetables, getting in all, all the fruits, limited in, limiting the simple carbohydrates, uh, which is very important. All, you know, it, there's, it's, it's all it's all poison when it comes to simple carbohydrates, whether we're talking bread or whether we're talking candy, like that sugar is being absorbed. Your blood glucose levels are, are, are rising. They're, they're spiking. So that's putting stress on your pancreas. It's putting stress on your blood levels and the sending dopamine hits to your brain to make you think that you to get more glucose. Oh, we love this glucose shit. We want more glucose. So if you can get your glucose levels down and keep them more steady, uh, and I don't even I don't even necessarily want to break into a ketogenic diet or what that is at this time. I think uh, that's a subject uh, to have a guest on for. Uh, I know a couple of dietitian nutritionists who could who could maybe help with that conversation, and I definitely have some input on it as well. But 
to swap over from ketones, basically, so just to, to clear everybody up, you have two types of fuel sources your brain will run off, glucose and ketones. It can only run off of one or the other. So back in a, in a kind of uh, hunter-gatherer homo sapiens, we're out there primarily on a ketogenic diet. Ketogenic diet keeps you steady and alert and as if you're out hunting. You know, think of primal you, you're out, okay, and bam, you get this whatever, this, this deer, this fish, whatever it may be, and it's, it's a high-fat, moderate-protein, low-to-no-carb diet, a ketogenic diet. So your brain will run off, of, if, you're, if your blood sugar levels are low enough, and think about back a primitive, primitive man, maybe they found some berries, Probably not. So they're eating a lot of fats and a lot of proteins, and they're in something called ketosis, which is just a different energy source. Your brain will run off it. Your brain will react to it. Your body, you'll have high levels of energy, and your body actually is probably going to love it. It's really good for the gut. It's really good for the gut-brain connection. Now, you throw in a little bit of, a little bit of bread. Huh? We start the farming. Oh, we, we find berries. Oh, we find out we can transport berries from, from tropical climates or warmer climates, you know, so we can still have those year-round, and it changes. So we're constantly being fed, you know, sugars. There's simple sugars and there's complex sugars. You know, if you eat a sweet potato, you know, that's, uh, that's a complex sugar. You know, fiber from a fruit or a vegetable versus fiber from bread or cereal, grains, I guess I should say, uh, or, or sugar, just straight up sugar cane, candy, or, or sugar in your coffee or whatever, then your body's going to flip out of that ketogenic state and be in just... I guess it doesn't really have a name, a glucose burning state. Um, so, and and then there's, I mean, and then there's just layers on layers when we get into talking about diet and I don't necessarily, I'm not going to quite break that down right now. I guess if you got dietary questions on, on things you think, I got places to direct you. I check out the Men of Purpose podcast. They're, uh, they're breaking into their next 10 episodes right now. They're talking about kind of just pandemic nutrition. Uh, so I'll go, you know, check them out starting on episode 11 or 12 right right now. They're, they're, they're getting out the, the message right now, uh, just the proper way to treat your body. You know, I, don't, I, I know the proper, that's another thing. It's the proper way to treat your body. We can all sit there and, and, and preach and get on our soapboxes, but really that's the difficult part about it that nobody wants to do is take the time for your diet, to hone your diet, what works for you, what's optimal for you. I can't eat red sauce. All right. Every time you eat red sauce, do you got to shit your brains out, huh? I that, that's what, so I got to cut that out. You know, every time I have you know you know X, I react in this way. All right. So maybe it's better to either you know keep that in the diet or delete it from the diet. And so, but I started on diet and nutrition, talking about uh, uh, just having a, a, a well balanced diet that includes a little bit of, you know, everything that you can pull nutrients from, you know, and not be out in the sun getting your vitamin D and all of that. Drink, uh, drink a little bit of milk, get some calcium or, you know, that, that's one actually, you know, your, your central nervous system runs off of calcium, magnesium, and potassium. Uh, so that's one. Now you can get, you can get all, all of that from food it's a little difficult to get magnesium sometimes, and you can find a three-in-one. In fact, it's good to add a little bit of zinc in that as well. Uh, so that's a supplement. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll back off my statement, uh, but when I, I was talking more about uh, working out supplementation, creatine, 
Um, while creatine is, it's, it's a good supplement. Like I don't feel it's necessary. I think you're wasting your money. You know, your muscles don't need to recover so much that you need creatine and you're just an average individual going to the gym working out. And you being that average, average individual going to the gym working out, you don't need to be stressing your body in ways that bodybuilders or powerlifters stress their body. You can still activate growth with time under tension of muscles and, you know, do it in a much safer way. I'm going to strongly advocate, strongly advocate for resistance bands, kettlebells and core workouts. And then on top of a daily, daily stretching routine, right up there with brushing your teeth and, uh, and flossing your teeth. I think stretching is right up there just as important as well. You know, so yeah, like yesterday, I'm sore as hell today. I had a workout yesterday. I was hucking a flagstone. If you don't know nothing about flagstones, some landscaping stones, a lot of people make walkways with it. You can make benches with it. It's a, you, you probably recognize the stone. It's a real, real pretty stone, real expensive stone, real heavy too. So I was moving some of that around and uh, I got a good workout. I, I didn't hurt myself. It's, it's, it's rare I don't hurt myself. I got a lot of back issues. Doctor says I need a backiotomy these days. So I don't, you know, I just try to take as good care of myself. That's why I do so much stretching and, and eating healthily because I'm going to be 50 when my oldest son graduates high school. So I got to be able to bang beyond that, you know, whether that be on the basketball court you know, showing my sons the proper way to train, to take care of their bodies. And I'm going to probably go into more specifics and more details in another podcast, just give a, a overview of what I think of just how to treat your body. So that's, I guess, that's my closing message. You know, if, if you're into, you know, physical well-being, you know, it's, it's one big thing. I think you got to encompass a little bit of a diet with that. You know, while I think we'll stand on diets, the most important thing for people's health, wellness, and longevity just in life, just whatever you're putting down your gullet, and then also with your activity level, I think that's that's the next important thing, just living a non-sedentary lifestyle, whether that be you got a two-story house or so you're up and down the stairs, you got kids, hopefully you're on the move with your kids, you're not just laying around watching TV all day, you know, just stuffing bullshit down your mouth, you know it's bullshit, and you know it's not, you know, and the less bullshit you eat, you know, the better it is when you do, you know, get out there and have a little bit of those cheat days. But workout, so diet and physical activity levels, I mean, they go, they don't have to go, they don't have to, be, they're not exclusive to each other, but I think it's important for us to put them hand in hand, you know, one in your left, one in your right, and, and make it work and be there to just better yourself in order to to spread your legacy, whatever that, whatever you want your legacy to be. And if you haven't thought about it, think about it. Again, mine's just passing on, you know, the proper, you know, details about life to my son. So they're emotionally equipped to be a productive member of society and, and make, you know, significantly more positive decisions uh, for themselves and their betterment than negative ones in their life, you know, cause you know, at, at least more than I have. And I, I, like, I feel like I'm only sitting here today because I made more positive decisions than negative decisions, but there's a lot of things that I did learn the hard way. And I want to project to my sons that the hard way has already been done. You know, I want you to take a listen. There's a, there's a lot of things, a lot of things to pick up in life from, from people who've been through it. And that's, you know, I live like that to this day. It don't matter if you're younger than me. Like I looked at my boss, I was like, this dude is younger and more successful than me. So therefore he knows more than me in the context of this business thing. So let's, let's do it. Show me the way. You know, I think that's, and that's real important to all the knowledge you have to, 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 to share it.
you know, and make sure that it's, you know, thorough and, and legit knowledge based on, based on facts. And I'm sure I've said it before, but be able to change your position and your mind when presented with new facts as, you know, as the, uh, as the data changes, as the world changes, as we all change. So I don't know, I'm going to go more in depth on, on health and wellness and my, my use uh, of steroids and specifics into, I'm probably not going to go into specifics and working out, but I'm going to get more specifics into, into dieting, just what I've found, just trial and error. But that's it. That's, uh, I'm going to wrap this one up. I'm going to get up out of here. So everybody be cool. Check on a vet and hug your loved ones. My beats because my nuts had them out. Burn holes in every pair of my jeans. I got a closet full of dirty hoodies, smelling Ooh, like weed. And I'm still looking for the way. Sometimes I just be drinking and I'm smoking all day. So please don't mind if I chill. I'm looking up to the heavens while I'm strolling the hill. What up? Half the shit I do, I know my wife and she hated. I got another tattoo, I know my wife and she hated. When I drink that loon juice, I know my wife and she hated. So I beat the pussy up every day, so amazing. Reality's a bitch, and I think I wanna ride her. Cause niggas is some Cause niggas is some Reality's a bitch, and I think I wanna ride her. Cause niggas is some Cause niggas is some